Welcome to Governmental Astrology. I'm Linda Rowe. Mars has just gone into retrograde um, yesterday. Uh, Mars retrograde in Aries is it's sort of an oxymoron. Retrograde in Aries. Going back over a beginning. Looking again at something that has started. Aries is an interesting energy. Aries is the spark that begins a fire. And I've said many times that as much as Aries is the spark, it is also the ember. Embers contain that fire energy just as much as sparks do. Embers can start something up that we long thought was finished. It is this dual nature of Aries that I want you to keep in mind as I go through today's episode. The story of Aries is much more than a story of a fire, however. Aries is the ram, and the ram that is Aries was a ram that everyone wanted a piece of. Aries is the fleecing of the ram. Aries tells the story of the sacred masculine and how the sacred masculine is being fleeced and in return. Well, it has nothing in return. The sacred masculine gave everything it had. And then the authorities ran away with it and tried to get rich. This is the story of Ares. Before the fleecing occurred, the ram was alive. The ram was a being. Rams are famous for ramming into other rams. It is an energy of charging forward, head first, come what may. Usually it feels good to charge forward, head first. It's not an energy of injuring someone. It is possible for a ram to get hurt, but in general, rams are careful to hit each other in such a way that, that they don't get hurt. Uh, it's, it's us humans who have participated in turning this ramming into a violent energy. Uh, we like to ram things up people's orifices in an effort to control them. For nearly my entire life, the energy of ramming has been seen as the epitome of masculinity. We tend to call it penetration when we associate it with masculinity. And for humans, masculinity has been tied up with a constant effort to penetrate everything around us. Our business people try to penetrate new markets. We like talking heads that have penetrating analysis. Our football teams have penetrating offenses. And we speak about the human engagement in sexuality as the male penetrating the female even though sex is really about being invited in. Sex is really about intimacy and occupying space together, encountering another. I hope you can see that penetration has been an important part of fleecing the sacred masculine. And between sacrifice and turning things that are not violent into violent violence, uh, this is the cautionary tale that is Aries. 
and this Mars retrograde that we just entered into, it will cover the period of time that includes the election of the United States president. The Mars retrograde has everything to do with this election. And I'm not saying that it's the it's only concerned with the U.S. election, but it is a dominant force in this election. Um, all right, so we have a president right now who is engaged in fleecing the United States. He is taking us for everything we've got. Um... Let's see here, as we move towards this very odd election that we're going to have, um, I see a man who is engaged in conjuring up old energies. I spoke about this a couple of episodes back. I spoke about conspiracy theories. Um, it's becoming more and more obvious that we are going to have conspiracy theories becoming dominant in this election. Um, particularly one conspiracy theory, the one that goes by the anonymous name linked to a letter. This conjuring up of old energies is what a sorcerer does, and we are largely unaware of any of, of what's happening. Um, although any of you who are engaging in this conspiracy theory, you need to know that you are helping him to conjure up these ancient energies. You are calling something forward that you do not know and which you do not understand. And you are participating in great evil. I had a conversation with an astrologer not too long ago. We got onto the topic of evil and he surprised me when he said, does evil really exist? And then he went on to answer his own question in the negative. I'm surprised by anyone who would say this. Um, I know that many, many human beings have experienced this energy that I'm calling evil. Uh, there are many, many of us who have participated in propagating this energy. And there are many, many of us who have experienced this energy. Um, anyone who's experienced this evil energy would never say that evil does not exist. I was born 19 years after the Holocaust ended. Many people my age or slightly older have parents who lived through the Holocaust all the way to the end. We call these people survivors. Since the Holocaust, um, there have been numerous other genocides and ethnic cleansings, and we have other numerous examples where governments used starvation as a means to kill off their own people, people that they considered to be enemies. And I don't want to forget the genocides and the ethnic cleansings that came before the time that I'm calling the Holocaust. Uh, a government that engages in homicidal behavior is an evil entity. Governments who engage in this evil behavior share energetic patterns with other governments that engage in evil behavior. 
And we would do well to understand the energy of mass homicide inflicted upon us by evil governments. It remains one of the most common ways that human beings have died over the course of our history. We have evil governments. We have conquerors. Uh, let's see here. We have colonization. We have slavery. We have viruses and bacteria. And that's about it. Wipe all of those off the planet and everyone here would live a much easier life. We have a mythological story in the United States. Um, it goes right along with what I'm saying. And it's not just a, a mythology of the United States. This mytholo myth mythological story has been around at least since the time that the Romans were in Jerusalem. And I'm sure it's been around for thousands of years, actually. Although it does tell the tale of the Gregorian calendar quite well. Um, if you want to know more about the Gregorian calendar, I have an episode about it. But um, this mythological story that I'm talking about is the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oddly, Disney made this story into a movie. And the movie debuted on November 13th, 1940. This was right in the middle of the Holocaust. <clears throat> it was right in the middle of the Holocaust, but it was in the years before the majority of the 6 million Jews died. And it was in the years before the majority of the 6 million others who were murdered by their governments during World War II died. So the escalation of World War II took place after this movie came out. By coincidence, the current president of the United States was born nine months after the end of, the of this genocidal Second World War, um, which included two incidences of genocide perpetrated by the government of the United States, one of them the bombing of Hiroshima and the other the bombing of Nagasaki. And right now, we are roughly 75 years and one week away from the end of the Second World War. So what I want to do is to take a look uh, from a different viewpoint of the forces that our president is now conjuring up. Walt Disney was one of the best storytellers ever. And Walt liked old stories that he could tell again and bring new life to. Many of the stories that Walt Disney chose to tell had their origins in evil sorcery. And this story of the Sorcerer's Apprentice is one of those stories. And I don't know, for some reason, this movie used to be considered uh, wonderful. I, I don't understand it. I remember a field trip that I went on as a kid. Um, it was a big deal. We piled into the bus and they drove us off to see this movie. Um, I, I remember the teacher telling us beforehand that the music was wonderful and the artistry was supreme, but I thought the movie was frenzied and it scared me, and I didn't like that Mickey Mouse was doing things against his will. And then, of course, everything blew up out of control, and I don't even remember how the movie ended. I know that there were other short stories connected to the story of the Sorcerer's Apprentice in that movie, so maybe there was no actual ending. There was just an explosion of the evil energy 
into something that Mickey and the sorcerer could no longer control. Of course, this is the meaning of the story. Uh, but the fact that Mickey Mouse was the star, this is the very interesting part of Walt Disney's storytelling. Mickey is a character who has undergone evolution, uh, an evolutionary process, just like we humans have undergone an evolutionary process. Um, Mickey's evolution was much more rapid. It happened over the course of several decades. Our own evolution took millions of years and probably required the death of nearly all of the dinosaurs. Uh, Mickey is a character who has undergone neoteny. Neoteny is a specialized case of evolution where a species becomes more childlike. Uh, when a species is undergoing neoteny, their heads get bigger, the, the individuals in the, in the population have their head size get bigger, their eyes get bigger, cheeks become more prominent than the nose area, and also the arms and the legs become shorter. And this is exactly the process that Mickey Mouse underwent in the years from 1928 to the late 1970s, uh, the cartoon version that we all know today. We humans do not think of ourselves um, in this in this fashion um, as an, a species who has undergone neoteny. We like to think of ourselves as a species that is different from everyone else, uh, more special. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as more intelligent and more able. But the truth of the matter is that um, we're just a species that has been neotenized like many other species. Um, we adult human beings share many physical characteristics in common with baby apes. We even drink and eat milk products constantly. Neoteny is an evolutionary characteristic seen in many domesticated animals. Um, this is because babies are more dependent and Babies are much weaker and not as aggressive than their adult counterparts. So neotenized animals are easier to control. And that's true for us humans. We're pretty easy to control and we are extremely dependent. But we usually do not see the presence of evolution as anything but something wonderful, just like the movie. I can tell you evolution is not wonderful. Um, who are the drivers of evolution? Science has determined that viruses have been a big driver of the evolutionary process. Do you remember that article that I read to you a couple of episodes back? Um, it was the article that was written by the animal communicator. And the animal communicator said that the viruses call themselves the drivers of evolution. Whoa, what a coincidence! Both scientists and viruses. Uh, consider that viruses are the ones behind domestication. Viruses are the ones behind our living in captivity. And yet, we love evolution. And Walt Disney connected, without realizing it, he connected the driving force of evolution with the evil sorcery of our mythology. 
And now we have the U.S. government conjuring up these forces again. And many in the U.S. are participating in this. You must realize that this evil force hides in the dark where we cannot see it. Uh, those who are conjuring this force up are actually obscuring um, so that we cannot see the force. They obscure things by blaming. They attribute the evil force to others. Um, I hear people talking about this anonymous conspiracy theory with the letter assigned to it. Uh, and there is an element of anti-Semitism to it. Anti-Semitism comes so easily to a large number of people. But Jews have nothing to do with what our president is conjuring up, uh, besides the, f the couple of Jewish individuals who work in his administration. Uh, but the Jewish group has nothing to do with this. I lived in Mexico for a while, and one day I was engaged in a conversation with my boyfriend when he suddenly started talking about the unseen forces controlling everything. And then he said that the unseen forces controlling everything are the Jews. Imagine my surprise and my horror at what he was saying. And I can tell you there is no group of Jews who are in control of everything, despite the fact that we hear about this all the time. So I want to look back at who the Jews are and who the Jews were, where they came from. Uh, the Jews, back in the day, 2,500 years ago or so, they lived in the area we now call the Levant. The Levant is a name that researchers have given to a very important area of ancient civilization. This area was one of the first areas to experience being conquered over and over again. And in fact, much of the Bible tells the tale of a people who was trying to put themselves back together again uh, after having been conquered, with some of them being exiled and others staying under the control of the conqueror. The people who were returning uh, to the area after the exile, they found themselves in conflict with the people who had stayed um, because both groups were thinking that they had the right to determine what the true Judaism is and they each had a different story. And so their versions of Judaism were completely different. And this is the story of the Bible and it's a very normal story. It's happened to other people. Who have struggled with exile. <clears throat> and then what happened was more conquering. And after the Bible ends, we have this conquering force that came in, and the Jews were exiled again, and the second temple was destroyed. Um, so twice the Jews were conquered and they lost the center of their civilization. And so did everybody else around them. They also lost their civilization. You can no longer find a Moabite civilization, an Ammonite civilization. There are no longer Philistines or Canaanites. The ancient Greeks are gone, as are the ancient Egyptians. Um, the people living in the Levant, uh, they now belong to other civilizations. And... They all lost their original languages. They lost their memory. 
of who they once were. Oddly, the Jews are the ones who survived this. Um, they survived the first conquerings, which is probably not really just the first, but um, a series of many. Um, they survived the second one, which was the Romans. Uh, they, went, they were exiled to Babylon for the second time. Uh, and, and from there, they traveled to Europe, where the Jews had to survive the Christians. 2,000 years of Christians. And this is an amazing feat. But then the Holocaust happened, and uh, Holocausts, uh, genocides, and ethnic cleansings are the endpoint of fascism. Um, the Jews who came out of the Holocaust had a, mo a motto. They said, never again. And I always thought that never again meant that Jews would fight and protect against other evil tyrants hellbent on destroying groups of people. But no, that was wrong. Uh, never again largely means never again will I find myself at the mercy of another. I am not walking back into that energy. Uh, never again is a protective energy against this force. But when you look at European history, you must see the Jews as an indigenous force within Europe. Uh, though they were not native to uh, Europe, the, the forces that, that were were destroying all of the indigenous people that were in Europe. And so um, when the Jews came in, it was logical to make them the indigenous force. Um, the patriarchy, which is the pattern of totalitarianism, and it has morphed from the conqueror to the king, to the tyrant, to the despot. Um, this is a pattern of control and violence, and it requires an indigenous group in which to fleece. There is and always has been a fleecing of the herd, and for humans, the herd is and always has been the indigenous. Remember the totalitarianism that I speak of, it is a parasitic force. Those in control live off of the others that they're in relationship with. Uh, it's just that a parasitic relationship, um, it ends up killing it the ones that they're living off of, because essentially the parasite eats its food source while it's still living. So the herd or the group or the tribe, whatever you want to call this larger group of humans, it has always been what the power structure eats for dinner. This is the meaning of being fleeced. And we know all of this. We've just forgotten it, or we have no idea how to keep living without becoming a parasite ourselves. It is the price we must pay, and we all know there is a price we must pay. But let's look at this a little closer. Greek mythology has a different figure. Greek mythology has Medusa. Medusa is a terrifying individual. She is terrifying, even though she began life as a simple girl. 
Medusa is a simple girl who was raped by Poseidon. Medusa was a simple girl raped by Poseidon and beheaded by Perseus. Now, a girl who was raped and then beheaded became such a frightening figure. The story says that Athena took Medusa's head and put it on her shield, and we are told not to look at Medusa's head. But we're always taught to not look at the violence or the evidence of violence. And so we have people who would take that shield and hide behind it to continue their raping and their beheading. This energy of putting Medusa on the shield is an energy of blame. It is an energy of saying that Medusa deserved to be raped. Um, it's an energy of saying that she deserved to have her head cut off and then be paraded all over for 2,000 or more years. Medusa is a girl. What happened to her was violent, and she did nothing to deserve it or to warrant it. And so the ones who killed Medusa are hiding behind the blame. They blame her for what they did, and then they hide behind the blame. And that's what, they, what we mean when we say that uh, they're using it as a shield. Uh, Anti-Semitism same type of a deal. Um, you kill the Jews and then you blame the Jews for what you did because they're evil, they're greedy, they're whatever else you say Jews are. They're none of those things. And then you hold the shield up in front of you and you keep killing. This is the meaning behind the shield of Medusa. But looking at Medusa will not turn you to stone. But it may stop the ones who killed her from killing again. It may stop the ones who killed the Jews from killing again. Because that's exactly what this is. Anti-Semitism is blaming the Jews for 2,000 years of being murdered, raped, and tortured. And anti-Semitism is the modern equivalent of Medusa. <clears throat> so we're coming up to this November third election. Um, so I'm saying that our sorcerer is conjuring up evil en energy, and this evil energy is meant to go up against the Constitution of the United States. That's essentially the showdown that we're about to have. So I have here the birth chart of the United States. Um, we look at it. Um, you know, it's, know, it's got interesting things going on in it. Um, we've got the North Node in Sagittarius. Uh, we have this galactic center, and we have Ceres here, also in the 
the fifth house. This is the sixth house. Uh, this E is what I would call everybody, but it means Eris. Eris is in Capricorn. Um, all the people who have been injured and hurt by the patriarchy are in the E. They're in the Eris energy. Um, okay, so that's the chart of the U.S. Constitution. Now remember, I said that the Mars retrograde has everything to do with this U.S. election. And uh, so we have this energy of the sorcerer, which is the president, uh, or as the movie tells us, the sorcerer's apprentice. Um, you know, didn't Trump have a TV show called The Apprentice? Um, so you can see how the earth is talking to us. So the sorcerer is conjuring up old energies, and he's hiding behind the shield of Medusa to do it. So if you look, uh, we have the shield of Medusa. Um, over in the 11th house, I've written an A. The A is in Taurus. A is for Algol, and Algol is a fixed star. It is a, a demon star, supposedly. Um, I'm saying that Algol, in relationship to the galactic center, forms the shield of Medusa. Right here. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Algol and the galactic center. Uh... They're at 150 degrees away from each other, or five signs. So if we say, um, this is Sagittarius right here. So uh, let's see here. Capricorn is one sign away. Aquarius, two. Uh, Pisces, three. Aries, four. Taurus is five. So here's Algol. It is in a quincunx. Uh, the galactic center is at 26 degrees one minute, retrograde in Sagittarius, and Algol is at 25 degrees one minute <coughs> of Taurus <coughs> at the time of the Constitution. Um, and then what I want to do is I brought in this uh, energy of the movie on top of the, um, the Constitution. So on the outside here is November 13th, 1940. Now the interesting thing here, see the, this, this um, shield of Medusa is always here. You've, you've got one in your chart too. When the movie comes out, Uranus is right there, conjunct, conjunct algal. So really what's happening is when the sorcerer is conjuring up uh, the evil energy, it's, it's for the whole world because Uranus points to the earth. <clears throat> um, it's, it's, I don't know. So amazing. 
Um, it, this quincunx, the reason that I'm saying that it is the shield of Medusa is because the quincunx is a relationship that's difficult to understand. It's a mixture of two things that don't seem to be related. So how could an evil force uh, that raped and beheaded a girl be used as a shield? And, of course, it's because of blame. Blame is how you hide behind things. Um, this evil force takes what it does to others. It takes the violence, and then it puts the blame on to the ones who are receiving the energy. So Medusa got blamed because she was raped and beheaded. It's her fault. Look how terrible she is. Um, same thing with the Jews. It's their fault. Look how terrible they are. <clears throat> and now we are in the midst of this very energy here in the United States with the Black Lives Matter movement. For over 500 years, African-Americans have been described as being violent. For over 500 years, African-Americans have been enslaved, imprisoned, murdered, raped, and blamed for everything. So African-Americans are the American equivalent of the, the uh, shield of Medusa. Interestingly, um, we have police who are killing black men, and they're also killing brown men <coughs> and white men too, but uh, we refuse to look at any of the people that the police are killing us. And, and then the people of African descent stood up and said, uh-uh-uh, you cannot say that American and that African-American men are frightening. You cannot say that African-American men deserve being shot. The African-Americans here in the United States said, look at the shield. Do not avert your eyes. Look at what is happening. Look at Medusa. You will not turn to stone, no matter how much you think you will. And if we look at the police, which is what we're doing right now. We're all looking at the police. The police hide behind their little shields and they each wear a little shield on their uniform. And then they hide behind it. They wear the shield of Medusa. It's real. But we don't really understand this Medusa shield thing because while Algol is a demon star, it does have a protective quality, and Medusa's shield does too. Medusa is bringing her reckoning with her. Uh, if we look at the shield a little bit, women definitely on the shield, Jews definitely on the shield, all indigenous people definitely on that shield, uh, African Americans definitely on that shield. Of course, African Americans are the uh, one of two indigenous people that uh, are on that shield here in the United States. 
with our Native Americans being the other indigenous people that are on that shield. You know, it's, it's hard to hold up a shield when millions and millions of people are on it. Um, and it's not just people that are on that shield. If you remember uh, the two atomic bombs that were dropped by the U.S. government on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, well, those bombs were made with nuclear material. And nuclear material, just like all of Earth, because that's where the nuclear material came from, came from Earth, uh, that material was alive. And they forced that material into bombs, and they forced the bombs to drop and kill people, which is not something that the energy uh, wanted to do. So that was a raping of Earth, um, the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, as well as the murder of all of those people. Um, but we can put all of the energy of both of the atomic bombs onto that shield of Medusa. And also all of the souls who were murdered by the bombs. Uh, we can also put everyone who's ever been uh, taken up by a genocidal force or been starved to death or been ethnically cleansed, all of them on that shield. And here we have our little president trying to lift that shield up and use it against us. Algol equals the demon star. Algol plus the galactic center equals the shield of Medusa. So we've got a lot of ancestry that's waiting there to help right on top of the shield. But all we have to do, just like the African Americans are telling us, to look into the shield. When we look into the shield, we will find everything that we need, everything that we need to end the violence once and for all. The time for being a victim is done. The time for being a participator is here. And it just depends on which energy you're going to participate in. Are you someone who wants to conjure up evil en energy? Or are you someone who wants to confront the evil energy? The choice is yours. So for today, information. Um, if you want to email me, my email address is governmentalastrology at gmail.com. My phone number is 720-608-0309. And as always, I'm glad you're here.